From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Thanks for inviting me into your home, your parents' basement, loft, RV, camper, taxi, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A special hello to all of you hearing this program on one of our affiliates, the podcast listeners, of course, TalkZone.com. Those of you who catch the live stream during our HOAs, our Hangouts on Air, Incidentally, the HOA resumes next week. Uh, Those of you who take the program with you on your mobile device through the Conspiracy Show app. So however and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, Recently, we lost a late-night radio pioneer here in southern Ontario. Errol Bruce Knapp uh, passed at the age of 74 after a brief illness. Many of you will be familiar uh, with his work in the UFO ET arena, particularly as host of the long-running legendary radio program, Strange Days Indeed. And, of course, he was also the founder and moderator of the UFO Updates Forum. Uh, So tonight, we pay tribute to Errol Bruce Knapp. Uh, Victor Vigiani is standing by here in studio, a one-time co-host of Strange Days Indeed and good friend of Errol's. We'll also have some special guests on the phone. Uh, In the meantime, let me remind you of a, a special live event coming your way. Saturday, October the 15th at the JJR McLeod Auditorium here in Toronto. Take a walk on the dark side featuring our Gary Patterson. Rock and roll myths, legends, and curses. This is going to be a good one uh, with special guests joining us by Skype, including Peggy Sugarin, of course, who was immortalized by Buddy Holly in two songs. Leo Lyons of uh, 10 Years After. Uh, Take a walk on the dark side. Saturday, October the 15th. J.J.R. McLeod Auditorium, 4 to 8 p.m. Uh, tickets available online at strangeplanet.ca. Just go to the live events page, and you can order and print your tickets right there. You can also buy tickets in store, over the phone, or online through my good friends uh, Patrick and Kadena at Conspiracy Culture. Just visit conspiracyculture.com. Victor Vigiani is the executive director of Zeland Communications and a frequent guest on this program. He was also a co-host on the legendary Strange Days Indeed. Victor Vigiani, welcome to the program. Kind of a somber occasion. Yeah, it is. It's uh, something that we have to do, though, but uh, uh, it's great to be back, and it's, it's an honor and a privilege to do what we're going to do tonight, and uh, I know you'll explain it fully in a, in a moment. Well, for those not familiar with Errol Bruce Knapp, a mainstay not only in the UFO and sort of uh, world of the strange mm-hmm. arena, but really was a, a mainstay on on Toronto airwaves, radio, television, late mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're here to talk about his work on Strange Days indeed, and, and you certainly were were uh, a pivotal member of Strange Days Indeed. You you uh, co-hosted for three, four years. Mm-hmm. Um, just describe the program, what it was about, and, and why it was so special. Well, essentially, the, the program was, was Arrow's idea, and he wanted to bring forward um, uh, a, a better way of understanding what this UFO phenomenon was all about. Uh, having been a member of MUFON Ontario uh, up here in Canada, in Toronto, uh, he spearheaded uh, a lot of meetings that involved uh, a large, a very large group of MUFON uh, members. And from that um, grew UFO updates. And that was sort of a, a large forum of discussion. And he moderated all the emails and exchanges. And then following that, um, he got the offer to do uh, Strange Days Indeed. And he jumped at the chance because he knew just about every single 
major player in the UFO community around the world. I'm talking, you know, everywhere, in every single continent. And he had a great understanding, not only of, of the, of the UFO phenomenon, but he had a great understanding for the different kinds of people and the, uh, I guess the atmosphere and the context in which they were working. And uh, he, he, he brought it all together. He really made sense, uh, for his audience. And we're told that at one time, uh, there, up to two million people were listening. Uh, right, in the, in the, uh, what they call the Golden Horseshoe here in correct. Southern Ontario. Mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah. a huge audience for yes. a late night weekend show. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, I was working at CFRB, well, from the early 90s mm-hmm. up until the early 2000s. Right. And, uh, I would see, uh, Errol on occasion and certainly at the, uh, the, the, uh, Christmas party. Occasionally we would break bread together. Mm-hmm. Um, was, I'm trying to remember, you know, we, we didn't have that many conversations, but it seems to me he was an experiencer. I don't think he ever really came out and said it, uh, but I, I think that he really felt that he had had some kind of intrusive uh, experience of one kind or another because he was, um, in many ways, he, he had a depth of knowledge way beyond, uh, I think, the way we understand it right now what the abduction phenomenon is all about, even the UFO issue. And I think it was that deep understanding that brought things to life for him. And uh, much in the same way that I I feel uh, in in terms of what I may have been through myself personally, and I think we've talked about it on there before, uh, not really knowing exactly what happened, but something happened. Right, yeah, I seem to recall a conversation about missing time. Yeah. But you're right, he kind of talked around the edges of it. Precisely, yeah. So in all the years that you knew him, he never came out in, even off the air and, and, um, and said, listen, this is what happened to me. I mean, you never swapped stories? Not in that way, no, because, uh, there really, as far as he was concerned, there really wasn't a story to tell. I mean, I, I do recall him talking about the missing time aspect to what, what he went through and, and all the whole context of it. But he never really came out and said that he had actually face-to-face contact with, you know, a creature from an off-world civilization. So, uh, he, and he wasn't one really to, um, uh, to talk too much about that kind of thing. Uh, he, he didn't really personalize it to that point. He, he was more interested in, in bringing other people out. And, and, and his technique that he used to do that was, uh, was extremely professional. I thought it was profoundly a great learning experience for me. Victor Vigiani is uh, with us, executive director of Zeland Communications, a regular here on The Conspiracy Show, and uh, we are marking the passing of a, uh, a late-night radio uh, pioneer here in, in southern Ontario, uh, Errol Bruce Knapp, the host of Strange Days Indeed, primarily about UFOs, but occasionally you would branch off into other areas. It, to tell us a little bit more about what else you talked about. Oh, Definitely. Um, he had a lot of people on um, in terms of uh, we talked about time travel um, and the, the, you know this evening we're going to be talking about some paranormal aspects to uh, uh, to channeling a lot of people on uh, that talked about that whole idea of channeling a uh, remote viewing number of people who um, had experienced uh, uh, this whole idea of, of remote viewing uh, ghosts uh, he, he really he hit the he really hit the main issues in a very hard way. Uh, but of course, his main topic was the whole unidentified uh, aerial phenomenon, uh, phenomenon thing, and um, so he was sort of eclectic in, in his in his understanding of all of those issues. He really had a great, uh, really had a great foundation in all of it. So, and uh, the uh, his UFO updates was one of the first. Uh, I guess they used to call them bulletin boards um, or discussion groups mm-hmm. on this topic anywhere. 
So, you know, how did that, what was the genesis of that? Because it became hugely yeah. popular. Yeah. I mean, it was the go-to, uh, as you, uh, you, uh, as you would say, on any given night, and, and, and Errol would be the moderator, you would have all the heavyweights, Stanton mm-hmm. Friedman or Richard C. Hoagland, the who's who would, would Just, come to this forum to talk about UFOs. That's right. They would, they, how it came about, uh, perhaps we could uh, talk more about that with, uh, with one of our guests, um, uh, either either Mike Woods would would know a bit more, or right. even even John John Velez. John Velez, they'll be yeah. coming up lately. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, it, the, the, the genesis was the number of emails that Errol used to get for the show and for just the interchange that he knew, the people that he knew. And I think one of his ideas, well, let's get these people together to talk, to to, to you know, almost to to the point of butting heads ideologically. He did that uh, on purpose. He would let people just sort of fight it out on on the format uh, that he that he had on UFO updates. And there were some pretty pointed kind of exchanges. Uh, you had to have your stuff together in order to contribute to UFO updates. And if you put out something was that was pointed or too controversial, you got cut off of the knees. Really? Mm-hmm. Too yeah. pointed or controversial? Yeah, because it's interesting. We, we look at, dare I call it the evolution, mm-hmm. um, of, of the UFO ET, uh, arena and the discussions that are now had. Mm-hmm. I'm, a lot of what we talk about on this program, you and I, for example, mm-hmm. Arrow Bruce Knapp probably wouldn't have had a lot of time for, right? Exactly. Yeah. I, I recall. Um, and I stand to be corrected on this, but I recall the whole idea of the abduction phenomenon to begin with. Um, now, he had his own perception and, and perspective on it, but the, the, the general membership within the UFO dates, uh, updates community had no time for this UFO update and, until Bud Hopkins came along. Right. Because, because I mean, this is sort of the, this was, was, or, and perhaps still is the MUFON mindset, right? Of course, yeah. It's like the Autobahn Society, for you, for flying unidentified f- f- area flying phenomena. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's tell me what you saw. Where did you see it? What time was it? What direction was it headed? You know, tell me about the lights. Yeah. And that's about as far as it went. That's right. It was very um, austere and very, um, you know, nuts and bolts. They were saucer craft, and uh, they did this. The weather conditions were that. And really, I don't want to hear any more about that. I mean, we, there was no talk about propulsion systems, no talk about free energy, free energy, interdimensional travel. Could it be time travel? It was just the real kind of mechanical aspects. And to a certain degree, uh, the MUFON, the MUFON organization commandeered the airwaves uh, in terms of UFO updates on the on the UFO uh, phenomenon because there's a very strong, powerful uh, Toronto faction uh, in uh, in MUFON, and Errol was part of it. Uh, but he understood that there was more to it than just, you know, funny lights in the sky or funny craft in the sky. And he, and he pushed the envelope and allowed people to see that there were other aspects to it. But it was controlled and slow. I mean... Oh, very much so. Very much so, yeah. I, I, yes, I, I'm guessing a lot of what's going on in the exopolitics oh. movement would not... Uh, don't even he mention have suffered the word. that. Don't even mention the word exopolitics. I think the first time I mentioned the word exopolitics, I think Errol kicked me under the under the table. He was cantankerous. Yeah, he was. He could be. He could be very, very um, uh, demanding in 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 the way you presented yourself on the radio, and, and you couldn't just sort of spontaneously bring up something that was marginal in in their books. And uh, he had no time for some people. Uh, literally, uh, he said, "No, I'm not having that person on my program." <laughs> and uh, I think he got to see that uh, it, it, it was sort of a, a combination of things where he re- he wanted to o- open the fold a little bit more 
okay, in, in terms of bringing in more guests. So he did, he did open up to that, and I think he saw the writing on the wall that this was a movement, speaking particularly about exopolitics. But there were other things, too, that... Um, that, that we need to understand and the work of Stephen Greer and, and Stephen Passett at the time when, the, when those two worked together, um, they were a real powerful force, those two people, Stephen Bassett and, 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 um, and Stephen Greer. Before the Great Schism. Yes, before <laughs> that, yeah. And, and then later on, uh, we, you know, we had Stephen Greer on and Bassett and later on, uh, eventually, um, uh, Stephen Greer fell out of favor, uh, with many in MUFON and, and, and Errol too, so. Yeah, there were some pretty, <laughs> you used the word cantankerous, yeah. Because after the show, after Strange Days Indeed would finish at around one o'clock in the morning, uh, we'd go over to the local tavern and, you know, walk and, um, just knock back a few beers and get, not get out of there till three o'clock in the morning. I want to hear more about that. Yeah. All right. We will take a time out. <laughs> Victor Vigiani is here. We are sharing some memories as part of our tribute to the late Errol Bruce Knapp, who just passed recently, a fixture of late night radio particularly in the uh, the UFO realm, and uh, the program was called Strange Days Indeed. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Strange Days Indeed. Most peculiar, Mama. Whoa. <laughs> Good evening. My name is Errol Bruce Knapp. Welcome to a special uh, weekend edition of Strange Days Indeed. Uh, we look at the phenomena that surround UFOs. On tonight's program, we will be bringing you Dr. John Mack, who's professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School at Cambridge Hospital. And we are back, Victor Vigiani in studio. Executive Director of Z-Land Communications, a regular here on uh, the program as we pay tribute to the late Errol Bruce Knapp, host of Strange Days Indeed. Errol, of course, a, um, a fixture on uh, Toronto Airwaves, radio, television, late nights, and um, we mentioned Strange Days Indeed, which uh, primarily uh, sort of evolved primarily into, uh, into uh, you know, a discussion of, of UFOs, but you would occasionally branch off, and Victor, mm-hmm. you were yeah. a... Um, a, a co-host for three, four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were mentioning, you know, his somewhat cantankerous uh, nature, or his his uh, he didn't suffer fools lightly, no. and he didn't have a lot of time for uh, exopolitics. Uh, when did that start to change? You mentioned Bud Hopkins. Was yeah. it a conversation with Bud? I think I think it, it did begin to change once Bud brought in uh, when and he, when he wrote his book um, Copley Woods, I believe it was. About the um, the young lady uh, that he that Bud uh, talked about in terms of the abduction phenomenon, and w- when I guess all of us began to see that this UFO phenomenon was more than just funny lights in the sky and nuts and bolts craft that be flitting here and flitting there that talked about you know in in the forties and the fifties and all of the things that were very uh, structured I guess in terms of the analysis of what these things would be you know the space brothers and I, I flew to Venus and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that had a, that had a big playtime uh, in the 50s and as it moved along, but we we got to see eventually that it meant more. And I think the exopolitics movement uh, began to introduce uh, many different aspects to what this phenomenon was all about. Just like the the whole idea right now that um, that people like uh, Grant Cameron are talking about the consciousness aspect of what these beings are bringing to us, right. a very very powerful movement about uh, how we are being imbued with some sort of communication 
especially with respect to the uh, abductees or experiencers. So it's, it's evolved that way, and I think he eventually saw that that was the direction things were going. And as a result of that, he, he widened his, uh, his, his array, his menu of, of people that he had on the program. Uh, we mentioned Bud Hopkins, and we came out of the, uh, the break mm-hmm. with a, a, a clip from Strange Days Indeed, and that was uh, Errol introducing uh, John Mack. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about his conversations, your conversations uh, with, with John Mack. How, how did that um, sort of move the needle in terms of the, the trajectory of the show? Well, I think he began to understand, especially through Bud's work, um, and I guess at the time, uh, understanding that once John Mack wrote his book, uh, Abductions, that uh, someone of this stature, uh, you know, a, a professor, a head of Harvard Medical School, wrote something so uh, risky as uh, Abductions, I think Errol began to see that this was uh, part and parcel of the whole phenomenon. And I guess John Mack's uncertainty or the way he described the phenomenon was something very attractive to, to Errol. And I think right. because of uh, John Mack's, Dr. Mack's credibility, I think he, uh, Errol embraced that. And right. Yeah. He, he, he strikes me as someone who, very conservative in terms of and protective of the, you know, the UFO uh, arena. And as you say, when someone highly credentialed was willing to go out on a limb, mm-hmm. now it's time. You know, it's not about some, you know, paragraph in the wireless flash about, <laughs> you know, somebody who claimed that they were, you know, taken up into the sky. Right. He, he was waiting. He was waiting for that right person to come out. And now it's time to jump in. I Very think, conservative approach. Yeah. How, you have to respect that. Of course. He opened so many doors to so many people and so many different issues. And I think that's the strong point of what, uh, what Errol did. And that would be, as far as I'm concerned, that would be the legacy of this man. He, he made his, he's, he moved along the spectrum very, very carefully. And, uh, in, in that, in taking that kind of care, he really brought in people of, of, of quality, uh, of quality background. Like you said, he didn't, didn't suffer fools. <laughs> and it was something that he was very careful about. Well, let's bring in a, another, uh, a colleague of Errol Bruce Knapps, and he, this is uh, Mike Woods, who was a co-host uh, on Strange Days Indeed for uh, about a year, and uh, also made a couple of appearances on other non-UFO shows on the same station, CFRB 1010. Uh, long-time journalist, 30 years, including uh, as a newsroom backup at Chum, Chum FM, lead reporter for CKWW in Windsor, associate editor, managing editor of Business and Finance magazine, uh, 22 years at City TV here in Toronto, 18 years as a news writer. This is a hard-boiled journalist and, uh, as I say, the uh, the one-time co-host, along with Errol Bruce Knapp at Strange Days Indeed. Mike Woods, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm fine, thank you, and thank you for having me on. All right. How does a, um, a hard-boiled journalist, such as yourself, uh, become co-host on a, a program dedicated primarily to UFOs? Well, uh, very simple. Not only hardcore journalist, former soldier, born skeptic, born, uh, you know, you got to prove it to me. And the thing was, was that was Errol's bottom line. Um, Errol, as you mentioned, did not suffer fools lightly. He didn't uh, suffer uh, outrageous claims. He was very much a an evidence fact person. And so consequently, and we worked off of each other quite well because I would bring, I could be the skeptic. I could play the bad cop, he could play the good cop. 
Um, and Errol was very much uh, an evidence-based person uh, as far as UFO research was uh, concerned. And I, I truly feel that Strange Days Indeed and the Companion UFO Updates uh, webpage, this was peer review for the UFO researchers. Excellent same, description, yeah. You know, and it's the same principle as all scientific inquiry. But Strange Days Indeed and UFO Updates, that was peer review. The top researchers would post what they were working on, and all the rest of us would gather in a circle and try and kick holes in it. And consequently, it it allowed for a free range of ideas. But Errol would shut you down when you became insulting or obnoxious or anything like that. It was, here's what this person is presenting. If you have a counter-argument, post it. Uh, and, you know, within the confines of civilized, intelligent discussion, that was allowed, and that was what made both the radio show and the website. It really um, is a counterpoint to today's social media, isn't it, Mike? Oh, yeah. Um, partly, I mean, it's great that we can have information through tweets immediately, but 140 characters allows zero depth. And the Strange Days Indeed, the show that you folks do, the conspiracy show, um, things like UFO updates, this allowed for more in-depth. And it also allowed, many a time, I, I got caught with it and other people got caught with it, many a time what that meant was that something you'd said a year ago could come back to haunt you. There was a, a certain amount of responsibility within every person contributing to stay focused because once you'd posted it, it was there forever. Did did Errol have a journalistic uh, a background? Because it, I mean, you certainly employed you know some of those journalistic or, or all of those journalistic uh, sort of principles that you brought to the program uh, as best you can in a field that is largely speculative. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, this, the basic premise, the, the five W's of journalism, the who, what, when, where, why, are always a, a great starting point for any investigation. And Errol was of the type that some things claimed in the field really got under his skin. Um, Give me an example. Uh, the Carp Guardian case. Ah, uh, Yes. He thought that was three pounds of nonsense in a one-pound bag. Just, just for those not familiar with the Carp Guardian case, uh, just give uh, us a thumbnail. Well, uh, videotapes circulated amongst the community and then went wider, uh, showing a supposed craft on the ground near the community of Carp outside of Ottawa, mm -hmm. Ontario. Um, the video came with a package of information from, and I hope you can hear the quote marks, The Guardian. Yes. Um, and it was a lot of uh, real tripe, frankly, and, you know, deliberately obscure, oblique uh, references and all this. But the videotape made such a stir, it was on American television programs like uh, Unsolved Mysteries, and uh, UFOs, the greatest uh, evidence ever captured on videotape. It was featured in both of those. We kind of thought it was funny, especially the Unsolved Mysteries one. That got up his nose. So he said, let's look into this. It was one of the very few cases Errol personally investigated. He saw himself as a facilitator for UFO researchers, not as a UFO researcher. But we went into it. I had a friend of mine with... Uh, 
twin degrees, electronic engineering, or electrical engineering, and computer sciences, who had this wonderful home system, the most advanced uh, computer available at the time, and it was all wired into VCRs uh, for tape, videotape analysis. We were able to take that tape and prove that, in fact, it was a vehicle. It was a Ford F-150 pickup truck. <laughs> it had a strobe light on the roof, and it had lights underneath shining up. And our expert pointed out that uh, videotape has its specific color to temper, uh, temperature uh, scaling. And he was able to show conclusively that the heat of the light... The most uh, warm part was at the bottom radiating up, not radiating from the, the craft down. Other obscuring things, there were a number of road flares, and I suspect a smoke bomb or two, to further obscure it. Uh, we were able to zoom in, and uh, what ended the case as far as I was concerned is we were able to zoom in on the windshield and more specifically see a windshield wiper uh, on the, the windshield, and as far as I'm personally concerned, I do not believe interstellar craft require windshield wipers. And so that would pretty much put the car guardian case into bed. Excellent. Uh, Mike Woods, a former co-host on Strange Days Indeed, as we pay tribute to uh, the late Errol Bruce Knapp, Victor Vigiani in studio, uh, Executive Director, Zeland Communications. Um other uh, memorable, we just got about two minutes here, Mike, but another memorable exchange on air uh, during your tenure there you, well, want, you yeah. want to share? Yes, but it's not in regards to Strange Days Indeed. Errol had a second show, very short-lived, called Mind Shift, and it was everything except UFOs. Hmm. We got an expert on to talk about who uh, an author who had written a stunning book on the state as of that day, about five years ago, but the state at that time of nano-research, and particularly medical application of nano-research. He discussed um, a trial being done at a university down in the States where they would use nanoparticles that would distribute gold over a tumor. And then um, you expose that to UV light, and tumors are extraordinarily sensitive to temperature differentials. And the gold plating delivered through a nano-delivery system, which was being done, uh, the gold plating on it with the UV light would be enough to kill the tumor. Now, one of the most lethal cancers on Earth, and they were focusing on this, is liver cancer. Mm -hmm, There's bugger all you can do about it. And... Uh, we had a caller phone us, and she was stage four liver terminal cancer, liver uh, liver cancer. Uh, the author, while we were on the air, was able to get a hold of the lead researcher um, at the university in the states. And uh, before we were off air, we had made arrangements for this woman to take part in this trial and potentially save her life. We never followed up on it. Wow! I have, I have no idea whether it worked or not for this woman, but. I can think of very few things in a 30-plus year career in broadcasting that I'm prouder of than the moment when Arrow started pushing this researcher during the commercial breaks, see if he can get this woman involved. Amazing. And he did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, Mike, thank you so much uh, for spending some time with us tonight and helping us uh, pay tribute to uh, Arrow. 
Uh, you're more than welcome. I consider it an honor. I think of Errol as one of the most critical people in UFO research during a very, very difficult time with the explosion of videotapes, social media, and whatnot. And it was Errol's firm hand that I believe kept the field focused on what is provable as opposed to what is pure blue sky fantasy. Well, we could use them right now, probably on this show from time to time. <laughs> Thank you again, Mike. You're more than welcome. Thank you. All right. Back, in more, back with more in a moment. Stay with us. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Not often do you get someone with the background that Leslie Kane has. Take a look at what we talk about here on this program every week. Leslie, what does a journalist, broadcaster with your background go through to come into this field? Well, the subject of UFOs has been a personal interest of mine for a long time, actually even before I started doing serious journalism. But I never thought that I could ever do anything with it professionally. It never would have occurred to me until this report came out of France, which I wrote my first story about on the subject in the Boston Globe, the Comita Report. Welcome back to the program. That was uh, Errol Bruce Knapp, uh, the late Errol Bruce Knapp. Uh, we are uh, paying tribute to the uh, the host of Strange Days Indeed, a, uh, a radio program, a regular fixture here on uh, Toronto Late Night Airwaves um, about the UFO uh, phenomenon. And Victor Vigiani stays with us in studio, Executive Director of Zeland Communications. Uh, that clip, uh, he was uh, speaking with uh, Leslie Kane, mm-hmm. um, um, noted journalist, author of UFOs, generals, pilots, and government officials go on the record. That's correct. Yeah. Um, Later on, she didn't. She hadn't. She hadn't written that book when he when no, he spoke. That's right. Her. She had just finished, uh, as you may have heard in the clip, uh, investigating and finding out more about the the Cometa report. That was something that uh, was a groundbreaking event for her and really launched her career in terms of. Um, in terms of uh, investigation, you see, I can see someone like Leslie and and Errol h- hitting it off because they both sort of employ that that same sort of no nonsense, give mm. me the facts, just the facts approach. Yeah. Errol had an extremely large amount of respect for Leslie Kane's work. Um, he really respected the the diligence of her work, the factual nature of it, the cut and dry nature of it, and in his in his own inimitable style, he really respected uh, journalists. And she was a journalist she, at the time. She wasn't a you know, typical researcher. She came from the Boston Globe at the time, and uh, he really respected why she launched her career due to the the Cometa report, the French investigation, uh, military personnel investigating the whole UFO phenomenon in France. All right, we have a um, an- another uh, colleague of the late Earl Bruce Knapps uh, joining us now. Gordon Finn uh, was a um, a guest on on the program and uh, long-time experiencer, researcher in the fields of out-of-body travel, consciousness projection, lucid dreaming, past and between-life regression. Uh, he's a, um, a relentless blogger, maker of YouTube videos, uh, has been a, a guest on this program and on uh, the television program, and uh, is, uh, let's see, he's got about 15 books, e-books to his credit, including his latest, which is You Are History, The Soul, The Higher Self, and Our Share of Divinity. Gordon Finn, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good tonight, thank you, uh, Richard. Very well. How did you... Uh, uh, get involved with Strange Days Indeed? As I recall, Victor suggested 
me to Earl when he he got the uh, second show started by the uh, station that he was on, and he needed all kinds of guests to talk about paranormal and psychic. So this would this would have been mind shift. Yes. Yes. Okay. So this was an opportunity for for Errol to, uh, to sort of spread his wings and, and get into other things besides the UFOs. Uh huh. Yes. And um, he uh, had some. Ex- not many people know this, Richard, but he had quite a bit of psychic experience himself in his early life. He was a medical intuitive at one point. Hmm. And I, I don't know, he told me all about it after I knew him, not on air, but, um, you know, so uh, he had, he didn't pursue it. He, he had pursued it earlier in his life and told me had, with some success he was able to intuit what was wrong with people at a certain point, but he didn't pursue it in, in a professional sense. Uh, did he approach non-UFO topics with the same sort of skepticism, just give me the facts, uh, as he did you know, on, on Strange Days Indeed? My impression was, and I did listen to a few Strange Days Indeed shows before I was on the Mindshift show, that he was considerably less serious with the psychic and paranormal. Um, I think he saw the UFO alien situation as something of his life's work, including all the archives that he kept, these voluminous archives. And um, he took that very seriously, and I think he took the uh, Mind Shift show as an opportunity to, well, as you say, spread his wings, and all, but also have a little fun. Right. He was very amusing on the show. I was... Endlessly, endlessly amused by the way he would joke around as we were dialoguing with each other and answering calls from uh, guests. I think one of the strong points uh, of his personality, as you would readily admit, uh, Gordon, that he had, he had an incredible sense of humor, uh, like a, Mo- a Monty Python type of sense of humor. Would you not agree? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Richard, on one show, because. We, both Errol and I had a fondness for rock music of the 60s. As you know, he, he, he was a DJ on pirate radio. Yes, I remember him telling me that. And when he left the army in 66, 67, he used his money to buy a rock club in Portsmouth in the south of England. Oh, that's great. And he had all kinds of 60s bands playing there, including, you're going to love this, the first version of Pink Floyd. Oh, my. And, uh, oh my! Saucer full of secrets. Maybe that's what. Maybe that's what uh, launched his fascination with UFOs. Oh a, a couple of you know hoisting the cups with Sid Barrett, perhaps. Well, that's the amazing thing. I mean, Sid Barrett was only in the band for about a year and a half, and Earl had them at his club. <laughs> and um, he was. I'll tell you, at the end of one show, he was feeling pretty giddy, as we as we moved into a commercial. He it was fading out, and he started singing the song "Bike" from the first Pink Floyd album. Listen, I got to I got to stop you there, Gordon. We're going to take a time out. We'll come back. Hang yeah. in there. We'll come back to you, Gordon Finn, who was a uh, a frequent guest on uh, Errol Bruce Knapp's other program, Mind Shift. Uh, we, as we continue to pay tribute to the late broadcaster Errol Bruce Knapp, Victor Vigiani stays with us in studio from Zealand Communications. Back with more in a moment. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Good evening. My name is Errol Bruce Knapp. Our featured guest tonight, John E. Mack. Good evening, Dr. Mack, and welcome to Strange Days Indeed. Well, you, you trace pretty well in your introduction there the, the evolution of my involvement, and uh, one thing seemed to lead to another. Dr. Mack, thank you very much for joining us tonight. I hope we didn't cut your dinner too short for you. No, you didn't cut the dinner too short. You you extended the evening. Oh, <laughs> oh good. We look forward to having you come back uh, one day uh, at some point in the future. Okay, thanks for having me on. Thank you, okay. Dr. Mack. Good. Dr. John Mack, my name is Errol Bruce Knapp. Good night. My name is Errol Bruce Knapp. Good night. Welcome back to the program, and we are paying tribute to the late Errol Bruce Knapp, who just passed uh, recently, a long-time broadcaster fixture on Toronto, a late-night airwave, strange days indeed, and of course, mind shift, and we just came back with that clip. Uh, that was um, uh, Errol interviewing the late John Mack, now uh, both gone. Mm-hmm. Um, were you part of that show? Yes, I was, yeah. You remember that conversation? Oh, very clearly, very clearly. It, it was um, something that's emblazoned in my mind. I will never forget being on air with that man and just to to experience his um, the, the pace of his uh, of his language and the the intuitive nature of the man, but also this, this psychiatric precision. He had both things uh, completely under control. He had so much evidence, uh, and and he he presented it in a in a very kind of question oriented way. And you know, in terms of, I'm still not sure what's really going on, but something is going on. He repeated that a lot. There, we know that these people have been through something, and it, it's not categorized as uh, some sort of pathology. And he, it, the thoroughness of his of his speech and everything really pointed to the fact that very he, cautious, very cautious. But he he knew he was onto something. Uh, Gordon Finn is uh, with us. Gordon was a frequent guest on Errol Bruce Knapp's other program, Mind Shift. And uh, we were just in the midst of uh, talking about uh, Errol, uh, who uh, was involved in pirate radio. And um, uh, later, he purchased a rock club down in Portsmouth in the south of England. And you mentioned he had some of the great uh, bands of the uh, yes, seminal did. bands yes. of psychedelia mm-hmm. uh, including uh, Pink Floyd the, fi- the first incarnation of Pink Floyd with with Sid Barrett and you were in the middle of a story and we before we were <laughs> well yeah uh, he ju- he just w- w- was so unpredictable richard i mean he just started singing that song not not cuz i asked him to or suggested it he just started singing it and then, as we were fading out to the ad, I joined in with them. And then as, as the ad came on, we just giggled. Yeah. He, we did a lot of giggling on that show, Richard. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable how much we did, especially after midnight. And, and the thing about it was, too, Gordon, um, on Strange Days Indeed, when we'd be doing something like that, similar to what you're doing. Uh-huh. And, and right now, we're sitting in the studio, and I'm next to a microphone. And I'd be I'd be there in the studio in the RB studios, and Errol would have his, his his mouth to the microphone, but his arms would be flailing like an octopus, just and he would just be doing this weird contortion, but he'd manage to make sense. And I I everything that I could do, uh, to, I just had to push the cough button and just stand back and just watch this man in action. Uh-huh. So it was just a fascinating way of making sense and having fun at the same time. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Gordon, thank you for spending some time with us, and I appreciate you contributing to our our tribute to Errol. It was fun, Richard. Thanks very much. All right, Gordon Finn. Um, we've got uh, one more guest coming up here mm-hmm. in uh, in a few moments, John Velez. Um, uh, but before we get to John, mm-hmm. uh, how would Errol or how did Errol uh, look at the uh, the disclosure movement? Which you know that is really 
whenever we talk about UFOs, it's all about disclosure, 24-7. It's disclosure, right. disclosure, disclosure. Yeah. Well, when the the idea before Stephen Greer um, brought about in 2001, um, before uh, September 11th, when Greer brought forward all of these um, witnesses and at the uh, at the National Press Club in Washington D.C., um, be, long before that, the, the the disclosure word was a bad word. Errol would often say, well, "We can't use the D word on this show." You know? Really? Oh yeah, it was it was not something that uh, I think uh, was 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 on his it was in his wheelhouse. I don't think that that was something he knew. The government knew what was going on. And, and how they were handling it, but he did not attribute any credibility to anybody who had information uh, that, that, that wanted to force the government to come forward. It, none of the information that he saw, in, in, his, in his estimation, was sufficient enough to really make this disclosure D, D word a capital D. Until when? He met Bassett and Greer? Yeah, I think he began to have them on the program. And as you know, and as we all know, those people who listen to interviews uh, that we've done with Stephen Bassett, uh, I think Stephen was the one who allowed uh, Errol to turn the corner on that one and really, uh, you know, interview both Steve and uh, Steve Greer and Steve Bassett and really bring it to the forefront and realizing this was another door that he had to open and and walk through. All right. Let's uh, bring in uh, John Velez, another colleague of uh, of Errol's. And uh, John... Um, began working in 1994 with uh, UFO abduction researcher author Bud Hopkins. Uh, John was the creator and webmaster of Bud's Intruders Foundation website. Uh, he worked uh, closely with the late Bud Hopkins for 10 years and then uh, met Errol when uh, he and Bud consented to participate in the WGBH production of Nova titled Kidnapped by UFOs. Here to tell us more uh, is John Velez. John, welcome to the program. How are you? Fine, Richard. Thank you for the opportunity. Okay, so uh, uh, take us back to the um, uh, the uh, Nova production of Kidnapped by UFOs, and uh, I guess your introduction to Errol Bruce Knapp. Well, I, I had met Errol prior to that, actually. If I can, if I have a couple of moments to tell that story, yes, that's please. interesting. Yes, please. Um, Bud Hopkins had called me one day and invited me to do a program in Toronto called the Shirley Show. It was some lady named uh, Shirley Solomon yes. had an afternoon program. I don't know if you guys are familiar with. Oh it. yes, oh yeah. But we were we well we were under the impression that we were going to be part of a panel discussion on a program that Bud assured me was the uh, Canadian version of Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> and when when we got there, we were uh, surprised to find out that it was more like the Canadian version of Jerry Springer. Mm. And um, they had uh, set up the stage in a funny way. I expected to be a part of a, a panel discussion. Uh, I expected the stage to be set up like in a horseshoe setup or, or some kind of a semicircular table or something, but they had the chairs right up against the edge of the stage, right over the audience. And right from the get-go, it was all shouting, yelling, screaming. Um, it was a horrific experience for us. The uh, producers of the program had emptied out a local bar in order to fill the seats in the theater because it was a live show and they didn't want to have any empty seats. So they brought all these drunk college kids in, oh, offered oh them free Lord. tickets, and we had 
the most raucous audience you can imagine. It was a horrifying experience for us. I mean, we were ridiculed, shouted down. It was a, it was just a terrible, terrible experience. We didn't expect anything like that. Um, so you were totally ambushed. We were totally <laughs> ambushed, and I mean, they did a number on us. So anyway, by the end of the program, we managed to win the audience over. We explained to them why we were there, that we hoped to, uh, you know, get some information out there for people who may have been suffering the same kind of experiences that we were having, to let them know that they weren't alone. We just wanted to be helpful. And the audience kind of came around and we won them over, but that was only at the very end. So, you, again, the panel, there's yourself, there's Bud. Myself, Bud Hopkins, and two other abductees. Uh, Bud wanted to present his research material and then allow the... Uh, whoever the skeptics on the program were supposed to be, interview us, his, right. his, his clients. And that's why we were there, to tell our own, to speak for ourselves. And when did anyway, you meet Errol? When did Errol come in? Well, the what happened was, it turns out that uh, a group from uh, uh, MUFON, Ontario, the Mutual UFO Network of Ontario, were in the audience. And uh, after the program, I was so traumatized by this thing, I ran from the green room because the producers were apologizing to us and, you know, offering to take us out for drinks. And I didn't want to even talk to these people. They had duped us. And I just wanted out of there. So when I got, walked out of the studio, I was by myself. I left Bud and everybody behind. I just needed to get some fresh air. And I popped the door open, and there was a group of people standing there and I'm looking around, and I didn't know if they were the good guys or the bad guys from the audience. <laughs> I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And there's Errol Bruce Knapp is standing right in front of me. He's this big, <laughs> glorious-looking man with this warm smile on his face. He had a twinkle in his eye, and he just opened up his arms to me. He didn't say a word. He just opened up his arms like offering me a hug. And... It just warmed me up right away. All my defenses went down because I was paranoid. I didn't know who these people were, you know. Sure. <laughs> and I just ran over to him and I gave him this huge hug. So that's how we met. I hugged the man before I ever said a word to him. Wow. Welcome and to then Canada. <laughs> my first words to him were a string of ep expletives that I can't repeat <laughs> on AM radio. Uh, that I whispered into his ear because, I, again, like I said, I had been—I was traumatized by the experience in the theater. A friendship and, forged uh, in war. <laughs> yeah, but when I grabbed him, when I was hugging him, I said, "You know, WTF just happened." <laughs> you know, that was like the first thing I ever said to him. And I could feel his body trembling with laughter as I was holding him. And that was it. We became good friends after that. They took us to dinner. We had a chance to talk and get to know each other. And uh, when the Nova business came up, um, it turned out that the producers of the, the uh, Nova, the PBS Nova segment on uh, UFOs and abduction, had spent some time with a fellow that ran a skeptical organization here in the States called Psychop. Yes. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this outfit. Oh, it's I've talked of all of them. 
Okay, well, it's a group of skeptics that just goes all over the country countering anything that has to do with uh, the paranormal, religion, right. psychic phenomena, UFOs. It says what they do for a living. Well, they're not skeptics. Uh, uh, Arrow was a skeptic. They're debunkers. Exactly. Well, uh, thank you for <laughs> thank you. Uh, but she had spent some time with Phil Class, who ran this organization, and he had kind of convinced her, even before production began, that there was no way that she could responsibly present our case as having any basis in reality without scaring the hell out of the audience, mm. the the, uh, the general public. And uh, by the time Denise came around to actually begin taping and filming the program, she was already of a mindset that she was going to debunk the entire phenomena, which is what they attempted to do. And it was a real hatchet job they produced. Um, fortunately, I have a, a, a Michelle Deschamps from Sudbury uh, had gotten a copy of this program prior to airing, and Bud and I had an opportunity to uh, to view it first, and um, one of the one of the venues that was provided to us to allow us to get our side of the story out was Errol Bruce Knapp. I mean, he came in like a knight in shining armor. He had uh, uh, he already had the ear of every major researcher in the field via his uh, UFO updates uh, email list, which at the time was private and for research people. Mm -hmm. And he also had uh, his program on CFRB, Strange Days Indeed, mm -hmm. which was a tremendous venue for us because it allowed us to reach the public and tell our side of the story before this hatchet job of a program that Nova produced ever aired. John, I got to, unfortunately, we've, uh, we've run out of time. I'm going to have to ah. end it there. But, uh, John, I, I really appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, amazing stories. Thank you so much. Thank you, and thank you for letting me participate. I wasn't able to attend my friend's memorial service, and I'm so deeply grateful to you for allowing me this little bit of time to talk about him. John Velez, thank you again. All right. Good well, night. Good night. Uh, Victor Vigiani, Zeland News, uh, Zeland Communications, and uh, that uh, concludes our tribute to uh, Errol Bruce Knapp, and I hope he would have appreciated it. I'm, I'm sure he would. I know he's listening right now, believe it or not. Uh, he is. How would he sign off? Um, either eyes to the sky. Usually it was eyes to the skies. All right. Let's leave it there. Uh, back next week with a brand new program. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Albert. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark speak in the light, what I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. <laughs>